the time when I was graduating from Bible college and um, I had made uh, unwise decisions. Uh, I had taken out student loans. So I had to pay off loans before I could be able to uh, be really helping in, in, in any type of, when, when churches would have a social type, you know, fellowship, all I could bring was brownies, you know, the box kind, you know, because <laughs> I just didn't have anything else. But, but then using, you know, books and so forth, wisdom that the scriptures give, uh, was able to get into a place where I was able to help more and be generous more. Uh, and it was a process. The Lord got a hold of my heart, and, and it was something that was able to be increased and being, being generous towards other people. Um, I would hope that you're praying about how can God use the resources that I have for his honor and for his glory. Um, this is not some type of uh, plant a seed or, you know, uh, uh, and you'll be blessed. Uh, no, no, no. This is about how can I be involved with what God is doing. Uh, we are going to be in Colossians. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 2, though. Colossians chapter 2. We're thinking about this, these words of life. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 30, uh, 63. John 6, uh, 63. It talks about Jesus says his life, uh, his words are spirit and life. How, what type of life is he giving? And we saw yesterday that... Uh, by having faith in God's word, one can have spiritual life. And what that means is, is that a person goes from being separate, because death, death is a separation. You go from being separate from God, nothing you can do to get close to him, to also having life. And this is, this is an act that's done by faith on the person's part, but then God God through the Spirit, gives life to the individual and they can have true life. Now, uh, what, what type of life is that? Because you, you look at uh, people and they still pass away. It's, a, it's their spirit that has an eternal life to be with God the Father. And that's an amazing thing to think about. Now, that life is also uh, a life that is lived differently. And we saw that also last night where Christ is preeminent. So no longer, no longer do I live for myself, but the life that I live is a life that's dedicated to, to making Christ preeminent in my life. Uh, not only does he give my spirit life, but he gives me a new purpose by which to live and defines what life looks like. It's no longer that I get to decide what are my priorities, but rather it is, uh, it is God who does that. So here we are in, in Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 6 and 7. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Uh, would you all please stand with me for the reading of God's word? Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. This is the word of the Lord. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith and having been taught abounding in, uh, in it with thanksgiving. Father, I pray now as we look at your word that uh, we can understand that um, it's your word that gives uh, us life when we put our faith in, in the gospel. It's your word that gives our lives meaning and purpose and direction. And I pray now that as we 
as we look at this text, that we can understand the necessity of having faith in your word uh, for salvation and for how to live. As we, as we contemplate how to reach Charlotte uh, with the gospel, and as we contemplate how to reach Bilbao with the gospel. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Uh, we've seen last night that, that Paul uses a word and he echoes it out throughout the text that has, um, it, it, it's the word walk. In walking, it gets used over in chapter 1, uh, verse 10, where in verse 9 he's prayed that, that they will have this knowledge and that this knowledge will therefore translate itself in how they conduct their life and how they behave. Then in chapter 2, verse 6, we see again that he's saying, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And then we saw in chapter 3, verse um, 7, uh, in which you formerly walked uh, when you lived in them, talking about the former way of living. And then again over in chapter 4, Verse 5, walk in wisdom. So this idea of walking, now we're, we're looking at this text and it's going to use this word walking and he's reiterating this, this aspect of walking. Walking has, if you want to reduce it down to two process, you have one of stability and then you have one of instability. Then you have stability and then you have instability. Or you can put it as stability and chaos and then, you know, ho hopefully it's going to go back to that stability, and then you have chaos. Now, when you think about walking, uh, children uh, like to hold on to something as they're learning to walk. They pull themselves up, and they're holding on to stuff. Uh, and then as we get older, that, that aspect of that chaos part or that instability, we don't, we don't like too much. And so we'll use a walker or a cane, something to give that stability as we have that that combination of that process. And, and as we're looking at this text, we, we're going to think about that God is calling us to walk. And this walking involves uh, both times that will be very, very stable in your life. And you'll be like, praise the Lord. I love this. I, I, I know what to predict. I know what's happening next. I love this stability in my life. And then there'll be the instability or the chaos in your life. Whoa, I did not sign up for this. God, what are you, where are you, God? This is supposed to be all comfort. This was all supposed to be nice. And instead of being nice, and it's, I'm unstable. But yet God calls us to walk, which has both aspects in it. And it's in both aspects of being stable and being in that instability or chaos that grows us to become, as it says in chapter 1, verse 28, to be established or perfect or made complete or mature in Christ. Now, as we're looking at this, what we're going to see this morning is that we must live by faith as Christ by growing spiritually daily and abounding with gratitude. We must live by faith as Christ by growing spiritually daily and abounding with gratitude. So here we are in this text, and, and the context of where we're finding ourselves in chapter 2 is that uh, Paul is, is talking about suffering. He starts in chapter 1, verse 24, and, and he says, 
uh, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and filled up that is lacking in the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. He's talking about a suffering that's coming because, not, not because we live in a sinful world, per se, but a suffering that's caused because he's living for Christ. And as he's living for Christ, he's receiving a persecution, he's receiving attacks. Now, it, it presents ourselves with a conundrum, doesn't it? Because we would think, well, the person that has dedicated themselves to God should just have easy sailing. Everything should be fantastic. And yet Paul presents that as he is serving God, as he is building up Christ's church, as he is preaching this, he is he has these afflictions of Christ in his own flesh. He's also suffering for the church. In chapter 2, verse 1, he talks about this great conflict he has for them. He, he does not want them to have a vain lifestyle. And we saw that in the purpose of the letter to the Colossians is that on a positive side, he wants them to have a knowledge that translates to certain actions. But on the negative side is the temptation of being filled with vain deceit and, and human philosophies and having a life that's just vain. What, what a shame it is to think that the Christian life is, I, I don't have to go to hell, and, and that's it. And they don't live for God. They don't live for his glory. They are quite satisfied with the fact that they live the rest of their life doing what everybody else does. That, that's a vain lifestyle. At the end, what do you want to show? What is there to show? He's warning them. And he is struggling, as he says in, in chapter 2, verse, verse 1, that he has this great conflict for them. He doesn't want them to, to waste their life doing what everybody else is doing. And so he comes here, and, and we see that if we're going to live our life by faith in Christ, it must be by having a proper relationship with God, and we see that in verse 6. He starts off in verse 6 as, as you have therefore received. Now, as uh, is a, um, it, it points back, and he says, so how, how have they received? How have they received Christ? Well, we, we've seen over in chapter 1, uh, 3 through 8, that they received Christ through faith. They, they listened to the words of God, and they believed it. Now, what is it that they believed? What is the gospel that they have believed? Well, the, the gospel is very simple, and you can, you can narrow it down to uh, just uh, three things. The first is, is that we are nasty, wretched sinners. There's not a thing in the world that we can do to get ourselves close to God, but we are sinners. Our, our sin separates us. It causes us to be separate from God, and if we die in our sinful condition... There's not a thing we can do to get out of that. We're condemned for all eternity. But the, the good news is, is that God in his grace sent his son to die for us. And, it, and if, if we put, here's the third part, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we can be saved. I hope everyone here has done that. I hope there has been a time in your life where you recognize there's not, there's not enough good deeds that I can do to satisfy a holy God. I, I hope there's been a time where you have realized that your sin 
is wicked before the Lord, but he is rich in mercy. He sent Christ to die for sinners. He didn't come looking for good people. He came looking for sinners. Praise the Lord because I'm a sinner and he saved me. There's hope in the gospel. It says, as as it says in verse 6, as you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord. How, how have they received Christ Jesus the Lord? They've done it by faith. Now, in looking at this title, Christ Jesus the Lord, we have to ask ourselves, who is Christ? Because there is a popular notion of who is Jesus. Uh, there, there are TV shows about this Jesus. There's, there's books. There's all types of stuff. Uh, I talked with one guy, he said that he was uh, asleep and he woke up all of a sudden and there was a small little Jesus standing at the foot of his bed telling him some things. Well, there's all types of of thoughts about who is this Jesus. Now, we don't want to be informed by the TV series and we don't want to be informed by the guy who says that he sees the little Jesus. Uh, We want to be informed by God's word. Who, Who is Paul referencing when he says this Jesus? Well... In chapter 1, verse 3, he's the son of the father. He's the son of the father. He's, he's, he's not just some guy named Jesus. He is the son of, of the father God. Uh, also, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 14, he is the one who has redeemed us. Uh, we have redemption in his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In, in chapter 1, 15 through 17, we saw that he has He has created all things. And not only does he create all things, but he sustains all things. Everything consists because of him. He's not some long-haired hippie guy going around with Birkenstocks. He's the one who has created everything. And he holds it together. And not only that, but he has redeemed us, which is a purchasing. We were enslaved to sin. And with his blood, he has saved us from that for those who have believed. He, he not only that, but he's reconciled us to God. And this is, this is an important aspect to think about. You're born a sinner. You sin because you are a sinner. You don't sin and become a sinner, but you are born a sinner. And therefore, your sin has made you Uh, an enemy of God. You have God's wrath upon you, uh, upon me. But, but, But Christ, he reconciles us through his blood so that we can have peace with God the Father. This is who he's talking about when he says that you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. He's not talking about the little bitty Jesus that's at the foot of some guy's bed. It's not the Jesus who's going around in a TV show. This is the, the Jesus who has reconciled us to God. And, and he says, as you have received him. How did you receive him? You received him by faith. The other title is that they put right here is Christ Jesus the Lord. He is Lord. When you think about the relationship of Lord and servant, um, the servant doesn't tell the Lord what to do, right? I mean, that would be absurd. As, as Lord, he tells us what to do. It, it, it gets to a point sometimes in our life that we get to a Christianity where we're comfortable. Maybe if I cut my grass just right, people will say, hey, that guy must be a Christian. 
and they'll just get saved, and I won't have to say anything. Maybe if they see how I'm driving, they'll realize I'm a Christian, and they'll get saved. And, and, and I don't have to go and approach anybody and tell them. We, we get to a point in our Christian walk where we're just comfortable, and we don't want to be pushed. I, I know. I don't like being pushed either. Uh, I, I want to build my own kingdom. I want to have my own home. And we, we packed up as we left Texas with a 26-foot U-Haul truck. And now all those things have been reduced down to 40 totes. 40 totes this size. And, and little by little, we've gotten rid of it all. And I'm like, ouch, that hurts. But if he's Lord, I don't get to argue with him. We just obey. Now he says, as you have done this, he says now, here's the imperative, so walk in him. If you have received him by faith, now you are to continue to walk in him by faith. And then he's going to give four participles that are being used adverbially to modify that walk. Uh, and so here, here we go. Rooted up, uh, built up, established and abounding with grace. These four modify how the person is to be walking. Rooted up, built up in him, established and abounding in thanksgiving. These modify how the person is to be walked. Taking care of the root system, being grounded in God's word. There's a lot of popular stuff. You don't want to go with the popular stuff. Ground yourself in God's word. Know God's word. It's hard. Yes, it's hard. It's extremely hard. You start working your way through numbers and you're like, oh my word, look at all these genealogies. Why, why are all these numbers here? It's hard. But, but ground yourself in God's word. Get to know God. Uh, uh, built up in him so that you're growing. Established in the faith. There's so many people that are, are weak. Years, years in the faith and weak, weak in faith. And you think, how is this possible? They've never been established. They don't, they've never learned any more doctrine than they did the first time they got saved. And then abounding with thanksgiving. Abounding with thanksgiving. It, it's, it's very hard for us, us people who are proudful, prideful, prideful, to be grateful. It, it really is. Pride and gratitude don't go hand in hand. You're like, I mean, it's kind of good, you know. It could have been a little bit better, right? I mean, that's what a, a proud person does. They're never grateful for anything. Everything is like, mm, you know. It, gratitude, gratitude shows a person's heart. And he's saying abounding with gratitude. You might be tempted to say, you don't know my life, Daniel. You don't know what I've gone through. I have nothing going on for me right now to be grateful for. And I say, well, you have very short-sighted vision. Because spiritually, a lot has happened to you if you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. There is a reality that cannot be shaken that we saw the first time where that hope is laid up for them in heaven. And you can be grateful regardless of what's going on here in, on this earth. Now, why does it take faith 
Why does it take faith to walk in him? And I'm going to end with three, three quick points. It takes faith to walk in Christ because sin is fun. Sin is fun. Colossians chapter 3, uh, 5 through 8, and it talks about put therefore to death the parts of the body which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. For these things, the sake of the wrath of God has come upon the children of disobedience in which we also formerly walked in them. Anger. It's fun to be angry, isn't it? Some guy cuts you off and you tell them, right? You're there driving and he cuts you off. Or uh, wrath, malice. Those things are, are fun. And to walk by faith and say, that person has done me wrong, but I'm not going to get angry. What? No, he deserves to hear your true sins, right? It, it, it takes faith to walk the Christian life because we are tempted in, this, in these ways. And, and by faith, we have to say, though I desire to do this, I'm not going to. It's also hard to walk by faith because faith, obedience doesn't always make sense. Obedience doesn't always make sense. Look at chapter 3, verse 13. Being patient with one another and forgiving one another. If any man has a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so you also do. What? It takes faith to walk in obedience. I'm supposed to forgive them? You don't know what they did to me. We don't understand what we've done to Christ, our sin. And yet he's calling us, as Christ has forgiven us, we're to forgive others. It takes faith to walk this way. Because obedience doesn't always make sins. Sin is fun, and sometimes obedience is scary. And we already saw in chapter 1, verse 24, that Paul is suffering afflictions in his body. But Psalm chapter, Psalm chapter 23, verse 4 there is a psalmist, David, he's writing, and he's talking about going through a valley. And it's the valley of the shadow of death. And it says that the shepherd will lead into the valley of the shadow of death. It takes sometimes, it, it not sometimes, it takes faith to walk in obedience because it's scary. You say, where are you guiding me? Down that valley? No, that valley is death. That valley is scary. I'm not going close to that valley. And it takes faith to walk there. You want me to quit my job? You, you want me to quit my job and go to some people that I don't even know and share the gospel with them? No, I, I'm not doing that. All my family's here. All my friends are here. I can't do that. It takes faith to walk the Christian life because sin is fun Obedience doesn't always make sense, and obedience is scary sometimes. But it's in walking in faith that there is life for the individual. True life. True life in following God's word, in being obedient. It, it gives the person a life that reflects the character of Christ, and therefore is true, true life. 
you know, it's impossible for you to walk this life of faith if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If there's never been a time where you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, this, this whole idea of rejecting sin, of being obedient even when it doesn't make sense, of being obedient when it's scary, it, it won't make sense to you. And the first thing that you would need to do is understand your sin has separated you from God, but you can put your faith in Jesus Christ. Believe in what he has done for you, and that will save you. Other of us here, we're saved, but maybe we haven't been living by faith. We haven't been walking by faith. We've, uh, we've gotten to a place that's comfortable, a routine. We know what to expect, something that we can control, we can serve the Lord here, but it's in this contained control area. There's no mess. But God calls us to, to walk in him. And that will mean for some of us to reject sin. Other of us, that will mean obeying even when it doesn't make sense, like forgiving those who, who have transgressed against us even as Christ has forgiven us. And it will mean for some to go to the places that are scary. You think, <laughs> I can't do that. There's no way in the world that I can do that. But if God is calling us, then we need to walk in faith. Let's pray. Father, I pray now that your spirit would convict and show us those areas that we need to change. Father, if there's anyone here that's unsaved, I pray that the spirit would convict them and show them their need of a Savior. Father, I pray for other of us here that are saved that maybe we haven't been walking by faith. We've gotten to a place where we're just doing the Christian thing. And, and there hasn't been moments of instability because we have just planted our feet firmly and we're not going to move. I pray, Father, that, that you would move us in obedience to you. In Jesus' name I pray. All right. God calls us to.